When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. is up everybody and how's it going i'm alex goldstick and you are listening to the spring forward podcast welcome back to the pod for our second episode in which we'll feature former minnesota gophers quarterback mitch leidner who will be taking part in the spring league in just a few weeks before we get to the interview one quick spring league announcement since we last recorded the spring league has announced a venue change though the league's second season will still be going down in austin texas Due to player safety and capacity concerns, the venue has moved from the Circuit of the Americas racetrack to Kelly Reeves Athletic Complex. The complex features an 11,000-seat, handicap-accessible stadium that plays host to the football and soccer teams for Round Rock, McNeil, Westwood, Stony Point, and Cedar Ridge High Schools in the Austin area. The Spring League will still feature two games for each team, the first on Saturday, April 7th, and the second on Thursday, April 12th. Now, without further ado, our interview with Mitch. Now joining us on Spring Forward is former Minnesota Gophers dual threat quarterback Mitch Leidner. Leidner was a four-year starter from 2012 to 2016 at Minnesota, where he played in 47 games during his college career. He threw for over 7,000 yards and 36 touchdowns as a gopher on his way to 24 wins over four years, including being named the 2015 Quick Lane Bowl MVP in his Gophers win over Central Michigan that year. He also holds the Minnesota record for career rushing touchdowns by a quarterback with 33, making him the only Minnesota QB to ever pass and rush for 30 career touchdowns. After going undrafted in the 2017 NFL Draft, he got his first taste of pro football as a member of his hometown Minnesota Vikings, before the start of this past NFL season. He was released before the season began and will be joining the Spring League in Austin beginning on March 28th to keep his NFL dreams alive. Mitch, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me on. 
So I mean, let's get right to it. How'd you find out about the Spring League, and, and what was the process of registering and getting selected like for you? Well, I can, I can uh, remember last spring actually uh, actually hearing something about it at that time, and um, uh, throughout the throughout the year, then I uh, really haven't thought too much of it. My agent had reached out to me in December. Um, from from that point on, I, I had started looking at it a little bit, but didn't really know too much. And then uh, as things uh, continued to move forward, and in January, I was like, okay. Uh, this is this sounds like it's going to be a pretty good opportunity for me, so I, I quickly uh, signed up, and then uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to it ever since. Uh, um, really had no idea if I was going to get into it or not, um, but end up uh, I think working out where I'm for sure in the in the spring league now, and I'm really excited to get down there and compete. So I mean, one of the voids that the or the void that the spring league is, is trying to fill for the NFL um, or professional football in general is this lack of a, a structured developmental system. Um, and a complaint that that's heard from players all the time is that, you know, those that, that don't get to on, on NFL practice squads there, there's really no way to get live game reps um, to stay fresh. So um, how important is it in your opinion for, for players to get those live looks and maybe even take a few hits in order to stay football ready? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, at this point for me, I'm just really excited to, to go out there and play football again. It feels like it's been forever. And, yeah, kind of like you said, to be able to get some of those hits and everything is good. Uh, you know, I really, um, you know, the way I kind of uh, train and prepare day in and day out, um, I think I'll be ready for some of those things. But, you know, ultimately I'm just excited to get down there and, and get in a huddle and, and be around, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that are hungry to, to compete and uh, and continue playing. So I'm just really looking forward to that. So so you just mentioned your training. Uh, how are you staying in football shape year-round to, to stay ready for the opportunities that present themselves like the spring league um, or, you know, if tomorrow an NFL team calls? Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's a it's a constant grind. Like every day uh, you, you just uh, – it's all internal motivation to get up every day and want to go compete, knowing that uh, in the back of your mind you're 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 extremely hopeful that you eventually get that call from an NFL team or get the opportunity to to go perform in a bunch in front of a bunch of NFL uh, scouts and coaches, much like the the spring league is is doing for players. So, um, but yeah, you know myself, I've uh, you know I've been training all in, in Minnesota. Actually, a lot of it in my basement throughout the fall. I was. I was working a construction job with my uncle and my cousin, uh, siding houses. And I'd be uh, working out after that every day, finding times to throw during the week. And then you know, eventually in January, I was like, well, I'm going to try something different. I got out of Minnesota, uh, went, and, went and trained in San Diego with uh, a good friend of mine who's a strength coach at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista. And then uh, spent some time in, in Oregon training at Kevin Boss's uh, facility as well. So just really uh, trying some different things because, you know, at this point, um, I think most guys can agree in this, uh, that are in the spring league, you got to try some different things and get out of your comfort zone uh, because uh, apparently, you know, we don't really have all the answers if we haven't made it in the, in the NFL. How much of that training, if any, would you say is mental, whether it's the, me- the mental makeup it takes to play, uh, you know, a sport like football or just the mental makeup to sort of not know where your next – uh, professional football move is coming from yeah i think uh you know a lot of it is mental but at the same time you know it's you know whatever happens happens you're me 
you know, being all panicked and worried 24 seven about getting on a team isn't going to, you know, will that to happen. So I'm just kind of, you know, taking it day by day and, and enjoying the process. And, um, you know, I've, I've been around some, some great people that have given me, you know, great advice just to, you know, keep staying focused and, and working hard and, you know, whatever happens, happens. So I, I don't want to make any assumptions about who you grew up rooting for, but your first taste of the NFL was at home with the Vikings. Uh, you grew up just outside the Twin Cities and played for the Gophers in college. Uh, were the Vikings just, from the outside looking in, were they just a natural progression of your football upbringing? What was it like to get a taste of the NFL at home? No, yeah, it was uh, it was an unbelievable feeling. Um, yeah, I still remember, you know, getting the call from them and being there the next day ready to, to do a physical and, and sign the paperwork. But, uh, you know, it was pretty awesome. I'd, I'd been thrown with uh, Case Keenum and Adam, Adam Thielen and uh, a few other Vikings players throughout the summer. And so it was great building that relationship with them. And then one day I just, you know, popped up in the locker room with them. And uh, it was pretty, it was a pretty great feeling. And, uh, yeah, I was really thankful for the, for the opportunity that they gave me. And, uh let me go rip it around a little bit in the fourth preseason game, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. And is that is that a safe assumption? You grew up uh, a diehard Vikings fan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's pretty hard not to be when you're born and raised in Minnesota, and um, you know, especially some of the things that uh, Coach Zimmer has been able to do uh, the last few years that he's been here. It's it's hard not to admire what they've done with that program, and um, and uh, be excited for uh, Minnesota Vikings football. So I think that a lot of casual fans have this idea in their head that if you play big-time college football, it's, it's an easy path to get drafted and make millions. Um, you know, the Spring League is made up mostly of guys from those major programs that, that are so close to realizing their dream and, and still uh, plan on doing so. Uh, you're still very early in your professional football story, but can you just talk about what the journey has been like since you realized you were a gifted D1 athlete in high school and possibly earlier, uh, and then you know, what's made you even better as you continue to play? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really never been an easy process for myself. Um, you know, it's, it's been, you know, constant hours of, of just grinding and studying and working hard and you name it. I've, I've, I've tried doing it. I've done it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of ups and downs throughout your, throughout, a, a any form of football career, whether it's high school, college or NFL and, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are just super naturally gifted and, and don't really have to work as hard. I was never one of those guys. I always had to grind and, and outwork every single person. Um, and, yeah, you know, my, my journey really, nothing's been handed to me on a silver platter. I've had to go and work for it. And, uh, well, that's really what I'm just trying to trying to show at this NFL level is that if someone were to give me an opportunity, I would go in there and I'd, I'd bust my butt day in and day out to, to show up. That, I'm, that I belong and that I deserve to be there. But um, until then, you know, it's it's a huge business with a lot of a lot of people, a lot of competition, and it's hard to get that opportunity. But, you know, if just continue to, uh, to stay focused and stay on the path. Hopefully, we, hopefully I can get there someday. Was there sort of this, this breakthrough moment, whether in high school or college, where you realized, like, yeah, I've got it. Like, I, I'm, I'm better than 99% of the people out there? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm a pretty humble guy, so I wouldn't say there was ever really that moment for myself. Uh, I just, you know, I always just kind of uh, looked at football as just an unbelievable sport that gives people so many opportunities, whether it's 
in the sport itself or whether it's networking with, uh, you know, businessmen and, and children and, and you name it outside of the sport, it just gives you so many great opportunities to connect, to connect with people. And, and, um, you know, I've just always loved the fact of, fact of being around my teammates and, you know, if my skills give me the opportunity to continue playing for an even longer time than what college football had offered, uh, that's an unbelievable accomplishment, but, uh, never at one point was I like, yeah, I'm way better than that dude. I should be in the NFL, but I'm just, you know, thankful for the opportunity to, to have played this game. So, so we just finished the NFL combine in Indianapolis. Um, do you recall, or can you tell us what that experience was like for you? Yeah, I, I really had a good time there. I was able to, uh, go there for the entire week and throw to all the different position groups. And, uh, you know, it was with uh, Cepho Lufau and Trevor Knight during that deal. And and then they let us, uh, you know, work out and compete with other quarterbacks. So, you know, I know it gets to be kind of a long week, but, um, you know, it's just, again, it's another opportunity to play football and get out in front of coaches and introduce yourself and show them uh, how hungry you are to to play and, and compete and work hard. So, you know, just after that or just before that, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, ESPN's Todd McShay put out an early 2017 mock draft, um, which projected you as a first-round pick, and he called you, quote-unquote, a late riser similar to Blake Bortles and Carson Wentz. Um, in your opinion, what caused the disconnect between being seen as a potential first-rounder to ultimately going undrafted? Yeah, um... Well, it was kind of funny when that whole thing came out. I was actually still walking with a cane. I had, sur- I had a major foot surgery in December. Um, had a lot, had a, two of my toes and the top of my foot completely reconstructed. So I was walking with a cane when they came out with this, and I already knew that I had a really long path ahead of me until I was able to get to where I was the season before. And and uh, but you know it is what it is uh yeah that would have been the nice way to go to be a first round draft pick and everything but everyone has their uh own situations and own stories and um you know i you know i've always been the the hard working grinder type that nothing's ever been handed to me and or anything like that so whatever you know path i've dealt with i'm you know i'm trucking through and i'm just uh you know happy happy every single day and uh and uh, enjoying the enjoying the process. Uh, you know, we know players. You know, come to the spring league to to keep their NFL dreams alive. And, and in just a couple of weeks, you're going to be back in front of most, if not all, NFL uh, scouts from from NFL teams. Um, so, if you had to pick, what is what's the one skill you're trying to improve while you're down in Austin? Uh, and then, you know, what's the one skill you'd like scouts to notice most that that you believe will get you back into the league? Yeah, I think uh, probably the biggest thing that I've been working on throughout the offseason is just, uh, you know, my ability to, uh, you know, make all the throws, which I've always been confident in that I can do, but to be able to do a lot of those things off balance and um, being able to make guys miss in the pocket and then be able to create um, and, you know, and, and make throws on the run or whatever, just keep the play alive is something I've been working on a lot because, you know, a lot of times QBs go out there with the receivers and, you know, they're just working on their perfect five-step drop and throw and working this and that when in reality the rarely ever is the pocket perfect for a quarterback. So it's, you know, it's really, I've, I've really, uh, you know, just from watching games throughout the season and being able to take a step back that way and observe, it's like every time I get out there throwing, I'm working different pocket movements, working some awkward throws, um, 
you know, just being able to deliver and and that way you can give your team a chance in the fourth quarter when when uh, the you know the pressure's on and the defense is sending everybody and you and you're able to you know stand there stand in there and make a guy miss or or do whatever to make the the play happen and come alive. And I think that that speaks as much to mental strength as physical preparation. You know, having the pocket collapse on you, staring at linemen coming coming up the up the gap. Um, that's I'm sure that's scary. That's not something that many people have experienced. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. I I don't mind uh, mind that feeling at all. <laughs> so uh, switching gears for a second, going back into the past, what's what's the most memorable game or play of your football career at any level? Um, I'd probably have to say that it was my uh, redshirt sophomore year. We played at Michigan, and we had won the. We have, it's it's a big rivalry game between Minnesota and Michigan, and it's for the Little Brown Jug, and uh, Minnesota hadn't won it since. Gosh, I don't know, maybe 2003. It had been a long time, and um, or maybe it was 2005 or something. But it had been a long time, and I know, you know, we went in there to Michigan and 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 got the got a big win, and it was a pretty unbelievable feeling being able to hoist that trophy up in front of our fans and bring it in the locker room, and you know, plane ride back to Minnesota, and we get to our football complex, and there's supporters and fans all over the place. It was it was a pretty awesome feeling. So I, I don't know if you're reading my notes, but. I didn't go. I didn't go there, but I, I come from a Michigan household. Um, and when, oh, okay. I to, when, when I told my friends and family you were coming on the pod, they said, "Ask about the little brown jug." Um, one of, it's one of the oldest trophies in in American sports. Um, and yeah, 2014 is Minnesota's last win there, and you're responsible for it. Um, what's it What's it like playing in front of a hundred thousand people at the big house? I mean, that's not something that many elite pro athletes of any level will ever get to experience. Yeah, it's a it's a cool it's a cool feeling. It's a, a unbelievable place, and um, you know I think I played there the year before my redshirt freshman year, and we lost. That was my first ever Big Ten start, and I, I just remember, holy cow, this place is loud. And then a year later, I was able to go in there and silence that crowd of a hundred and however many thousand people they were, and you could see them leaving the stands early, and frustrated, and that was a that was a pretty great feeling. Yeah, it's like it's like just under one ten, so. Insane amount yeah. of people. Um, so you played at Minnesota for a great offensive mind in Jerry Kill, uh, where you helped him to win the 2014 Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, you know, unfortunately, during your time there, he also suffered from a number of health issues. Uh, are you still close with Coach Kill? Yeah, I am. Uh, did that unfortunate situation in Minnesota, you know, lend itself at all to a type of preparedness that other guys might not have, or were there any positives to be taken from the uncertainty of your head coach's health situation? I mean, any time that those situations occurred, it spoke a lot about our team and our leadership on the team, the way we were able to, to cope with that type of adversity. And, you know, really, you know, we could have, you know, felt bad and everything like that, but we all knew uh, Coach Kill didn't want that. He wants to go out and play hard and compete. And we'd always, you know, find a way to go do that for him anytime we were in those tough, uh, tough forms of adversity. What's the best piece of advice that Coach Kill gave you? <laughs> best piece of advice that coach kill gave me probably don't pay attention to the media <laughs> he told me that at a young age and i never did and um and uh i don't know i was able to avoid a lot of uh out there you could say well we're, we're thank you for joining us we're glad you're joining us <laughs> um yeah <laughs> you know minnesota is now led by a young and energetic coach in pj fleck um but coming off a down two and seven year how would you summarize the current state and, and future of gopher football 
<laughs> um, I'm not too sure to be honest. Uh, you know, there's you know there's not even too many guys there that I still know anymore. A lot of those guys have finished up and are done. Um, you know, I obviously wish those guys the best, but and they got a brand new uh, indoor facility. It's all state of the art stuff, and um, those guys. You know they've they've got a lot of the tools there. Um, be interesting to see if they can put it all in place and have a have a better year than they did last year. Uh, I saw in an interview with you that when when you got signed by the Vikings, you said you were doing some food delivery uh, in between coaching and training. Um, but I'm guessing that playing football in Texas in April might be a little bit more enjoyable, definitely more warm than delivering food in Minnesota at the end of the winter. Um, obviously, here at Spring Forward, we hope that the spring league is the right route for you to get back to playing football. Uh, particularly in Minnesota, perhaps, you know, in August, September and beyond. Uh, they've got a bit of a QB uh, opening up there, if you will. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited to get down there and, and play. And, uh, again, just just really thankful that I get an opportunity to play the game. It's been a while. And, um, you know, really anxious to get out there and, and show some of the, some, some of the teams uh, what I've been working on and, and uh, you know, that I'm, that I'm a player and, you know, that should should have an opportunity in this league. So, yeah, I appreciate you, you having me on. No problem, Mitch. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for joining us. And as, as we say at the end of every interview, can't wait for spring. Yeah, sounds good. Can't wait for spring. Thank you. All right. Well, that will bring us to the end of Episode 2 of Spring Forward. My thanks again to Mitch for coming on the pod and joining us. You'll be able to catch him and the rest of the Spring League in Austin in just a few weeks. Week 1 will be played on Saturday, April 7th, with games at 1.30 and 4.30 local time. Week 2 will take place on Thursday, April 12th, with games being played at 5.30 and 8. Tickets are now available at thespringleague.com. You can follow the Spring League on all social media at the Spring League. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far out of Spring Forward, please subscribe. All music was provided to Spring Forward by Joshua Rosner. We'll see you for Episode 3. Later. Thank <laughs> you.